<laughs> be funny, Alex. I don't think it is improv in it. No, just, it. just be funny. Just improv no it. pressure. Be funny and improvise. <laughs> Everyone tell you do you clap like King Louie from the Jungle Book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of practice. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Man on Fire. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like Man on Fire, we're best served cold. Sorry, it's a it's a bad one this week. It's it's, it's talking obviously about revenge being a, a dish, dish served, best served yeah. cold. But I've never really understood that phrase to be honest. Because if it was me, my revenge would be piping hot, mm. as hot as 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 hot as a, a really thick tomato soup. And I'd like to throw it in their face. As hot as, hot as thick tomato soup. You yeah, I mean like utter bastard. <laughs> yeah. Does the hotness relate directly to the viscosity of the soup? Or? Yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose yeah, it would lose some, wouldn't it? The hotter we got, but you're overthinking this, all right? This is one thing that Man on Fire was missing, like a soup to the face. <laughs> anyway, right? If you've deleted never... scenes, mate. Deleted scenes. <laughs> So if you've never heard the show before, there's some good news and there's some better news. The good news is that we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. The better news is that there's a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans, including a caption contest, a quiz, some questionable impressions, some subpar xylophone playing, some silly sound effects and a lot of banter. So this week's film, as I said before, is Man on Fire. Wow, I like it. Yeah, that just, really painted an image. <laughs> That's the sound of a man on fire, literally. Uh, so, uh, just to say, this will be a very spoilerific episode. So, if you haven't seen the film before, I think it's been out for about fifteen years now. So, what's your excuse, honestly? But you can either listen to this after you've watched it, or you can just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week, brought to us originally by the lovely Joel, but he's not here anymore. So, it'll be delivered via Dave. It's going to act as a lovely conduit. I am just a proxy. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll highlight that in the comments section below for you all. So it's before we the, go on... Is it just a quiz of would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> so before we go on, our last film on trial was Vice. <laughs> yep, it's the spit. I forgot, I forgot Not because it's a bad film, but because Cheney's a bad person. Obviously, obviously. Okay. So Joel judged that trial and decided that it should be placed on the hit list. Now, Joel has since gone away and watched the film, and he messaged us before. Uh, very briefly, we said to him, have you watched the film? What did you think of it? And he said, yeah, it was good. So uh, <laughs> It's like he's in the room. Like <laughs> it's like he's in the room, so yeah. Uh, so, okay, so before we go on to the bulk of the show, I think it's time for a little bit of news <laughs> lovely nice. well done hey, you like that? Yeah. Love it. right okay so um first things first what we do here is we go around in a circle and we talk about the most newsworthy topics of the week starting with and i'm sorry to say oh, no that didn't work at all did it what are you trying to do what are you going for here I feel like sometimes Keep we going. should be told what you're about to do. I know. Just in case we to it. <laughs> it's getting there. Come on, Gav. It better be really good now. <laughs> God, it better be good. Obviously, this is going to be edited out. Come on. <laughs> so, I'll, so I'll say again. So I'm sorry to start with this, but uh, unfortunately, it's time for. Oh. Oh, oh, 
That's that's my theme music. <laughs> the, the death bell tolls. <laughs> Unfortunately, that music signifies it's time for another one of Dave's obituaries. I'd, I'd rather we didn't call them my obituaries. <laughs> that's quite all right. Um, but yeah, this has fallen to me to to point out that Dick Miller. Uh, who has come up a few times in past podcast mm. episodes. Podcast favourite. Podcast favourite has sadly passed away. He was a great age, to be honest with you. I think he was uh, well over 90, so you know, fair play to him. But he's, uh, we know him from Gremlins, where there was a bit of a mention of him in the Gremlins episode, if you want to go back to that one. He was also in Demon Knight, uh, which I prosecuted and said some very unsavory things. Would you like to say you're sorry? Yeah, no? I would. I, I think I'm pretty sure I said it at the time you as did. well. But uh, yeah, I would like to say sorry to Dick Miller. And I did not mean it when I said he was just playing Dick Miller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the just bit, I think, hurt you. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was not a fun thing to say. So yeah, I, I stand by... No, I, I do not stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 rec- I recant that one. And uh, yeah, podcast favourite, Dick Miller. Rest in peace. I know, it's, it's an absolute um, shame, to be honest, because... He was just such a great character actor and he's appeared in loads of like films in the 80s and 90s and he'll just pop up every now and again but every every cameo that he had it was just like so much like gravitas was added to it, wasn't he? If you're like me and you're listening to it and you have no idea who Dick Miller is like Google him and you'll recognise him from about 100 different films you've I seen. Guarantee. He just popped up in loads. Terminator, I already mentioned Gremlins. Demon Knight, you won't know him from that. Yeah, yeah, who does? Yeah, um, the cho- Chopping Mall, uh, Night of the Comet, um, others that I can't remember right now, but uh, he's been just, in everything. I just Googled him. I recognise him and yeah, I've yeah. seen six there, films. There, there <laughs> exactly, there we go. He's been in at least five of those six films. <laughs> obviously. Case in point. So yeah, Dick Miller will be sadly missed. Um, so on to other news. Uh, the Super Bowl was this weekend. The New England Patriots took on the, I've written down the Patriots again. I think it was the Rams. at uh, Super <laughs> Bowl 53. And uh, a staple of the Super Bowl is overly priced commercial spots for upcoming trailers. So this year's spots were taken up by Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel, Oz, Toy Story 4, and Guillermo del Toro's Scary Stories. So what did, what did people think of them? I mean, I know we've discussed a few of them in the past. Dave, I mean, you watch them all. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? Any of them stand out? Um, I, I, I like the Toy Story one because they've kept that pretty well, pretty much under wraps, Toy Story 4 so far. And they didn't give too much away. It's a very short little teaser. You see a little bit of Woody. You see a little bit of Buzz. You know, a bit of a cameo there from Key and Peele. I think we yeah. recognise the voices from, which is a great addition to the cast. And it, it gives you an idea of the setting, but you haven't got a clue what's going on or anything about the plot. So it doesn't give too much away. So I'm happy with that. I think, you know, that's a good little teaser trailer. Still, still excited about watching Toy Story 4? I, I, I stand by when I say the Toy Story movies have gradually been getting better and better. I know there's only three, but they have been increasing. But, but more people say, like, the, th- the third was a good finish. It was yeah. perfect. I've, I've said that on the podcast before yeah. when we've talked about it. I think it was the perfect finish to it. But, you know, now they're making it. We can't stop them. No, you, know, you can't Let's stop Disney, can yeah. you? So, <laughs> well, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen shared a couple of um, behind-the-set photos the other day on Twitter of the last day of recording. And it, it was, there's kind of a message there that it was a, a very sad day. So I don't know whether this spells the end for a Toy Story franchise. No, whether we they're gonna we make thought that one. before. Heard that though. before, mm-hmm. yeah. True, true. They they but they actually allowed to be in the same room this time. Because <laughs> when they well, it wasn't that they weren't allowed. But on recording the first one, they never met until like the premiere or something like oh, that. Really? Yeah, they they recorded their voice parts in like different parts of the country, let alone. To be honest, Tim Allen wasn't on the photo, but he shared pretty much the same photo as, as Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he just copied and pasted Tom Hanks. <laughs> maybe they just went on alternate days. I don't know. <laughs> um, I tell you what, trailer did make me go, "Ooh, I've got to see it." Hang on, guys. <laughs> 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 Okay, so obviously there was a reveal last week of a new trailer for 
Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, and there was an extended version of it during the Super Bowl. Austin, you have definitely seen that trailer. Uh, what what do you reckon? Uh, were you happy with it? I think it's going to be amazing. I don't. It doesn't matter how much they show in the trailers these days <laughs> because you know. Yeah, I, it's, I know it's Hobbs and Shaw. It's yeah. going to be great. It's <laughs> yeah. going to be. It's going to be good fun. And um, yeah, but he's a busy man this year, isn't he? He's got loads of films out. Well, three. He's, uh, yeah, Jumanji 3 and yeah. Fighting With My Family at least yeah. so yeah, yeah and he's probably going to appear in a, in a couple of other because you know him he's, well, yeah. he, he, he likes to keep busy but, but yeah so I, I think that I thought the trailer for the Super Bowl one was, was good it's exactly what the Super Bowl needs isn't it that's sort of overblown oh definitely yeah. uh, Alex you're a big fan of the Fast and the Furious I am. franchise I didn't, Surprisingly. Think I, I didn't think I would be <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do love him a great deal no I know I know I, I really love him so I, I, was, I was I've been well into watching Hobson Shore at some point definitely going to see it at the cinema when I remembered that Idris Elba was in it, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Mm. And then then it revealed a little bit that it's kind of a bit sci-fi, like he's got some sort of suit on that stops yeah. bullets or he's unkillable <laughs> or something. And it just made me go, oh, do we need that in a... I don't know. Yeah. Fair enough. Maybe they'll make it work. Maybe it does need to set itself apart from the Fast and Furious fan- franchise a little bit. But the sci-fi element is like mm, it's a bit not odd. It's that, a bit of an odd addition, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, odd. And I think you could have Idris Elba. If he, if he's unkillable, then it's not as much of a threat. Or, do you know what I mean? There's no way to get back. I don't know. It, it didn't seem brilliant to me, and it didn't make me want to watch it as much as I thought. I think they'll salvage it. You think? Yeah, the rock. The rock won't get himself behind any shit. End of the day, they've got. <laughs> <laughs> end of the day, they've got Rock, Jason Statham, and Idris Elba. So. Yeah. I'm going to go see it. Can you, can you imagine that? It's essentially like three of the greatest male action stars of today appearing in the same film. It's it's like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Sloan, and I don't know, Jean-Claude Van Damme in the 80s, like having a, a super film with them in. I know, they tried that with The Expendables. I was going to say, it, it was too late. <laughs> it? it was a bit too late Well, too late. I mean, it, it's a bit yeah. annoying that... Um, Oopsie-daisy, sorry. <laughs> feel strongly about Your that. Your phone <laughs> likes The Expendables, clearly. <laughs> to, uh, no, I was going to say, it's it's a bit annoying that, um, you know, it's, once again, it's like three male action leads, and I, I know what they're trying to... I would have liked to have seen... I know Vanessa Kirby's in, and she was in um, um, the latest Mission Impossible film. She did a really good job in that, and I'm hoping that she does the same here, but it would have been more interesting to see somebody like, I don't know, like Gal Gadot, or somebody like taking on a, a heavier role in that as well. But um, but you know, but maybe what just being relegated to like a sub action character rather. Yeah, than, because that's yeah. what I'm, I'm. I'm hoping that Vanessa Kirby isn't. I'm hoping that she isn't just like a oh, love she, interest she or fan fatale or something. Will be, yeah, I know, and that's it. Because when you have like a big cast like that, you've got three big, uh, you know, action names there. If you add somebody else into it, are they just going to be relegated to a peripheral I mean, figure? Who would you say was the biggest action female star in the world? Because um, you say male star, it's like boom, 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 they just jump into your head. But who can you think of? Uh, well, I suppose like well, you've, you've, because it's hard, you know, because um, most production studios won't finance yeah. films with a female lead. But yeah. you've got Scarlett Johansson; she was in uh, Ghost in a Shell. She's yeah. also in all the Avengers films. Mila Jovich; she's probably in Michelle Rodriguez, Angelina oh, yeah. Jolie. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, in no. some films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But probably not so more uh, not recently. So much these days, yeah, because yeah, she's been looking more towards like sort of like serious Oscar films. <laughs> um, yeah, anybody like that? As I said before, Gal Gadot would be a really great yeah, one. Yeah, Gal Gadot, right, yeah. Um, so yeah, it could be good. Um, I've got all my fingers crossed for it anyway, so let's see what happens. I think I think it's going to be really sometime in the summer, so we're probably going to end up going to see that one, I think, guys. <laughs> anyway, so moving swiftly on, and it's time for Alex's Film Feels. <laughs> oh, 
right. So I've taken it quite literally this time. It, this film's <laughs> it's not like you. <laughs> <laughs> this film's called Man on Fire. So I want to know uh, when I say Man on Fire, what 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 jumps to what jumps into your head when you what Best. Men on Fire. Do you remember from films? Best who, men on fire in who films. Who is our favourite burning man? Who is your favourite <laughs> burning man in a film? I was trying to word it differently, Dave, but yes. I, <laughs> I, I was honestly thinking of kidnapping movies because I thought that was what was going to be. I thought no, he was going to say Best Denzel film. But uh, I wanted to throw a curveball. I knew you'd be thinking this, so no, men on fire. It's, have a think. Okay, okay, I've got one. Have you got one already? Yeah, yeah I've got oh, one already. Go on. My favourite ever film, The Thing. Yeah. Uh, so probably Bennings when he gets absolutely torched and uh, <laughs> he, he kind of wanders off into the snow and like props to the, the stunt guy who was in that suit because it is literally... A, yeah, it's it's a volcano. Uh, yeah, it? it's, it's, it's a, he's yeah. completely engulfed. There's not a single shred of him that isn't on fire. And... I, I always like. I, I, I obviously I love the thing. The thing. It's you know my favorite film of all time. But I always did think to myself, you are in you know the Antarctic. You can literally jump, just jump in the snow. Yeah, just jump in the snow. <laughs> just stop, drop, and roll. You know, but he kind of just wanders <laughs> off, being like, oh, I'm on fire. <laughs> I suppose the argument. I suppose there, at the time he was it, distracted, wasn't he? No, well, he was on well fire. the thing is, is it? It's, it's the thing, isn't it? That gets set on fire. So maybe oh, the yeah. thing didn't know all about fire safety procedures <laughs> in the Antarctic. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure how clearly I'd be thinking if I was on fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna put it. I don't think I'd be at my best. (laughs) What about, um, I can only think of two, but I think maybe um, in Scrooged. Uh, Frank and Scrooge. I'm going to think. Of Don't mention that after my very poor joke last yeah, week. Yeah, that, that's why it's in my head. That's why it's so. Uh, it was just tied into that moment. <laughs> the only ones what in um, what's that? Dust till dawn. The, oh yeah, yeah, the, like, oh, the, the vampire. Star guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. He gets set on fire. Good one. But yeah. they're the only two people I can think of who've been on fire. Once you start thinking, you'd be thinking yeah. of it all episode. You'd be thinking. To, to of be honest, throw one out. Yeah. yeah, there's not that many people set on fire in Wes Anderson films, are there? That's what uh, he's lacking. Yeah. The one I was thinking is not like my favourite film. In fact, I hate this film. But it's for Star Wars films, you know, the first three. So you had to sit through Anakin Skywalker's terrible characterization oh, yeah. all the way through him. And the only real payoff you get is right at the end when he gets set on fire by lava. <laughs> and that, <laughs> no, I'm not even saying Hayden Christensen. I'm just saying his character. It's really, really, really satisfying. When he's like, you know, when he's only got one arm and he's slowly going down. Like, Man, that's that, a bit sadistic. Yeah, that is a bit, yeah. yeah, but I mean, blame Lucas. Oh, what, what about uh, Arnie in the Terminator 2? Does that count? Definitely. I that's, think a brilliant, that's a brilliant yeah. fire scene, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if, if we're that one. Men on fire. He's yeah. on fire. And I'll probably say my fa- I'm going to go for an emotional one. I'm going to say Scott Glenn in Backdraft. Oh, that, yeah. that bit where Kurt Russell's holding oh. on. No, is, is it Kurt Russell or Billy Baldwin? It, it's Kurt Russell. It, yeah, he's holding it, on to him as he's hanging off the edge. His legs are on fire. He's on fire. It counts. He's on fire. Is that the end of the film? That's at the end of yeah, the film. Yeah. And he's like, just let me go. And he's like, no. And he doesn't. And they both fall and they both die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler for Backdraft as well, by the way, guys. <laughs> Thanks, man. You should have let go. That is a funny film, that film. Bad draft. Yeah. I, I love that Bad is draft. a funny film. Dave's just given like this just, really harbinger yeah. moment of Bruce's like, it no, was a lol along. It's hilarious. I, I can laugh my, my way heartily through that. I, I love Bad draft. <laughs> I like like it, but it's yeah. The okay. way they talk about fire all the way through it, it's just hilarious. It's like, they, they are firemen. They are firemen, yeah. Yeah, but honestly, watch it. It's, it's kind of the central theme of the film. Oh, uh, yeah, it's about like watching Waterworld and not mentioning Waterworld. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, right. Thank you very much for that, Alex. Do you go through these through the week and pick one? <laughs> <laughs> or do you just sort of pick one on, on, you know, what, whatever, off the cuff? Yeah, whatever I fancy, to be honest. <laughs>
Okay, so on to the bulk of the show. Wait two seconds. What about that last scene in Gattaca? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well done, yeah. I but, yeah. remember when they... Uh, Jude Law gets there. Uh, oh, good one. Yeah, yeah very good one. To, to the, Sorry, to the take of the time. You'd be thinking of this all the <laughs> way through yeah. the episode, man. I was, um, I, was, I was doing my wallpaper downstairs, so I was doing some wallpaper and I had that on in the background. And, like, I, I thought I was paying, like, a lot of attention to Gattaca. And then the next minute, Jude Law's on fire. Um, and... Like, um, what's his name Ethan Hawke is in the rocket going up and I thought that <laughs> Jude Law had wheeled himself underneath the rocket <laughs> like bypassed all security I was just stood there underneath the thrusters and was getting burnt I'd love it if you'd said that in your argument <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, on, on to, I would have put it on a hit list <laughs> onto the bulk of the show as mentioned before it is Man on Fire oh that's, that's piercing yeah. smoke alarm yeah. okay I'm taking this literally just like Alex um, so it's been picked out of the hat at random and it was suggested by uh, my good friend Graham um, so uh, you know Graham we've literally just spoken about him yeah. yeah so we've had a mixed bag when it comes oh. to his suggestions he recommended the assassination of Jesse James which went on the hit list and then obviously as Austin just mentioned the infamous Gattaca episode in which Ozzy judged it said that the film had changed his life and was the reason that he got into photography and then still put it on the shit list. And, and then found out he had never watched the film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> still still harbour a grudge on that one. Anyway, all of the roles have been picked out at random. So in the role of defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me. I'm a bit like that henchman uh, that gets a grenade shoved up his arse. <laughs> so... My arse is usually dangerously close to exploding <laughs> and severely harmful to anybody within a 50-yard radius. <laughs> oh, good one. Hey, as you say, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't fair. go hard on myself. That, that is, that's yeah. it, that's, um, Sometimes you go too hard. <laughs> <laughs> you need to find a good balance point, I think. <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke on my bowel disease, by the way, everyone. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and in the role of prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is Ozzy. Ozzy is a bit like Mickey Rourke. He's a very fashionable guy, but he's got a really punchable face. <laughs> <laughs> now just like real court advocates Ozzy and I will be making the best case for our roles these may or may not be our real opinions though so do stay tuned to the end of the episodes to hear our genuine thoughts in the roles of character witnesses I've said witnesses he's not here anymore and lending his genuine opinion to the argument is Dave. Now, Dave is a bit like Denzel's character, John Creasy. He's great at his job, but he's a borderline alcoholic. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> Any comparison to Denzel, I'll take it. I did also say that Joel was a bit like Tony Scott. He fucking loves explosions. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Which means that Alex has the most important role this week as he will be playing the judge. Alex is a little bit like Christopher Walken. Even when he's being nice, you just assume that he's evil. <laughs> Now, Alex must decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. So before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about and spin that wheel of impressions. Okay, so here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week, it has landed on Alex. Um, So... Uh, what do we reckon, guys? Who should he read it out in the style of? It's a tricky one, this one, isn't it? Do you know, do you know what I'm thinking? Yeah, Christopher Walken. Walken. You give me enough shit for my yeah, Christopher Walken impression. Oh, I think shit. I think it's time that you should maybe. It's, it's either going to be go, yeah. him or him or Denzel, to be honest. Oh, I'd rather. Oh, I'd rather Christopher Walken. Yeah, Denzel. It, Denzel's got. You such know his voice when you hear it, but it's not like it's, it's hard yeah. to do. Okay. Uh, 
in Mexico City. <laughs> a former assassin swears vengeance on those who committed an unspeakable act against the family he was hired to protect. That's <laughs> actually not bad. That's all actually not cuff, bad. Yeah. Very good, man. Thank you. Impressive. <laughs> it sounded like John Travolta doing it, Christopher Walken. <laughs> it did go a bit Travolta. Everyone's got to have a walk in a moment there. So without further hesitation, Alex, would you like to kick off proceedings, please? I would like to. Uh, Gav, you're a massive Denzel fan, so I am going to say don't talk about Denzel for the entirety of your argument, if you can. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, get started. Defence, go. Okay, so the film follows Denzel's John Creasy. Denzel is such a great guy. He's the best actor. (laughs) So uh, the the film follows Denzel's uh, John Creasy, a man who has reached rock bottom and has been driven to alcoholism by the guilt of his failings in his former role as a CIA operative acting as a security dog's body. His character has a new lease on life when he is tasked with guarding the life of nine-year-old Lupita Ramos in Mexico City. A heartwarming relationship is formed between the two before Lupita is kidnapped and then Creasy deals out beatings like they were free sandwiches as he does everything in his power to get her back. Uh, now that we've heard that story before or something similar before anyway, but at the time this was a very original story. There's been a trend for a good few years now of films featuring an older man who used to be a, a, a you know, deadly combatant but is now out of the game who is then forced to deal out beatings to rescue or avenge the death of a loved one. Let's call them, I don't know, dad revenge action films. <laughs> now, this genre has been around a long time but it exploded after 2008 Taken and then was followed by a ridiculous influx in that jo- in genre. So it's easy to overlook films like Man on Fire and write them off as just another Taken. But what separates this from all of the Taken lights, apart from the fact that it actually does predate Taken, is that it is an incredibly well-written story that doesn't just play by the book. There are an incredible amount of twists and turns throughout the piece that keep you guessing throughout. Now, too often movies from this genre consist of formulaic dialogue, but the script here is very, very well-written. It contains a lot of really catchy and frankly badass without sounding too much like you know schwarzenegger like quips uh for example the infamous uh, I'll, I'll do the uh, walking impression greasy's ad is death <laughs> that's <a> schwarzenegger <laughs> and i guarantee you won't oh no i can't even do it <laughs> so when walking says greasy's art is death and he's about to paint a masterpiece But it's not just the badass lines that are good in this. There's a lot of sincere and really warm dialogue in it as well. The interactions between Creasy and Lupita are very, very genuine. And the relationship is incredibly believable. So so we are actually invested as an audience when Lupita is abducted. The action in this film is very well paced as well. Too often in films like this, it takes less than 10 minutes before something has been exploded or somebody has their larynx punched. But Scott takes his time here. He has complete faith with the script and with his performance. And it definitely pays off because he times the pace and waits to introduce the action. And though a a believable relationship is able to form between Lupita and Creasy. And we are thus more invested as an audience when shit hits the fan. And it does hit the fan big time. And quite literally as well, because there is that uh, scene where a man has a grenade inserted into him <laughs> and he explodes. Is, um, does, it, does any of it hit a fan? fan? 
I, I'm sure there were, there were a few fans in the nearby radius, to be honest. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> uh, once, they, haven't you seen the slow motion when Denzel's walking away? He's got one of those handheld fans. <laughs> a little bit, just yeah. <laughs> So once the kidnapping has taken place, Scott doesn't hold back on the action. It's ruthless and incredibly enjoyable. And because we are made to wait for it, it's much more impactful. I challenge anybody here not to watch Denz punching the living piss out of somebody and not get at least a little bit turned on. <laughs> Challenge accepted <laughs> by everyone. <laughs> so Tony Scott's direction is also very unique and stylish throughout. He uses lots of juttering scenes like camera shutters going off to increase the tempo and add a sense of adrenaline. But it's not just the action that's well filmed. The final scene in which Creasy and Lupita are reunited and Creasy's last stand are just incredibly well shot and very, very powerful. Another one of the big positives of this film is the rousing score. Now, we talk about soundtracks quite a bit in this podcast, and the argument is always, is the soundtrack memorable or not? Well, I couldn't hum most of it for you right now, but whilst watching the film, I found the music fit extremely well. Not only did it enhance the scenes, but it was also very affecting. The final scene in which Creasy sacrifices himself to save Lupita is really moving, and the score makes it so much more impactful. So, a very well-written and directed film with captivating action, engaging story, and a great soundtrack. So, in conclusion, this film, this film, this film is on fire. Oh, good one. I do... I know, Dave, you're Don't not a big even. fan of your flourishes, but I do point, I do score highly for flourishes, <laughs> and I like that. Well, I hate to break it to you, Alex. I have spent probably longer than I have spent... I'm going to say writing at least four arguments on my final flourish. <laughs> it took me about six hours. Seriously. <laughs> no I, I enjoy a good flourish, but I, I just don't give points but, for yeah, it. That, not not that, the lack of a, of a well thought out and rounded argument, because yeah. that's pretty much an entire pack of lies. Do you know, do you, what, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd like to go on the arguments, but so the flourish real. gets me in the heart. It's style yeah. over substance again, like, yeah. tree, like tree of life all over <laughs> yeah. again. Dave, yeah. let no. it go, man. <laughs> let it go. Right. Uh, Ozzy. Listen, this is, like I've said, this is a, a dad revenge film, essentially. It's been done so many times before and since. Far better. Um, you know, it's this Bible reading loner. He's, uh, he's got these unknown demons, sits up late at night drinking to himself. We don't really find out very much about him other than he used to be a, uh, like an assassin for the US Army or something, just a... Like, who is he? Who cares? He used Nobody. to be in the CIA. We find that out at the very beginning. Finish your food like, and let me speak. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting until he took a big bite so he couldn't, uh, <laughs> couldn't jump in. But like, so, I mean, don't get me wrong, I thought the first, like, 40 or 50 minutes was quite an interesting take. It was... Um, that means that Ozzy's only just watched the right, first right, 40, Gav, 50 Gav, minutes. Gav, yeah, you, your flourish has just been erased. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's like, so, he, he, he rocks up and he used to, you meet, you meet him and Christopher Walken. Walken's got this, uh, he's this buddy from the CIA. He's now got his little Mexican security firm. Um, and he, he turns up, uh, he's a drunk, he, he has this little interview, and he's really honest. And you're like, why would, he said, oh, have you got anything wrong with you, essentially? He said, oh yeah, I drink. That's his, that's his problem, I drink. The guy's, yeah, no problem, you can look after my family. It's like, mm, can you? Is that really a big deal? So already you're a bit worried about it. But he meets up, he, he, uh, so basically, weird guy, rocks up to a house, bonds with, um, bonds with a weird girl who's like eight, going on 48, um, so <laughs> suddenly, and then, then like the mum meets him. There's like a weird, almost like a, a B movie porn scene happens where the wife meets Denzel, and she's like in like this, it's like staring each other down. Mm. Suddenly, it's like they recognize each other, and he goes, "You're not Mexican." No, of course she's not Mexican. <laughs> she's a white blonde-haired lady. 
She goes, no, I'm not. I'm American. He says, I'm American too. And she goes, fine, you can drive my daughter to school. That's essentially what happens. No development, no real, no interview, no nothing. So anyway, he gets this job and he becomes like a chauffeur and a playmate. Um, and then eventually, I mean, that's something which I wasn't really going to mention he too play- much. He's a playmate. Yeah, he's like a. What, like I think she's. A, I think essentially she's like a lonely girl. Yeah, oh, okay. and then so he's just she sees him as like a toy. Yeah, company. keeps her company and does whatever. Yeah, um, it's a bit. I don't know. It's a bit. It, it's not well fleshed out. But okay. actually, the first forty minutes is probably the best part of the film. Um, where he starts becoming like a. I don't know. He becomes like a. Like a father figure or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a bit. It's 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 very messy in okay. terms of a story. But I thought you could get behind that. She gives him a present of a she eventually she gives him a daffodil he takes her to a piano recital and then suddenly she gets kidnapped then we're into a completely different movie right so but that took like an hour that section there the next section oh it's all out the window you could have this this is now another hour of 40 minutes of uh of just absolute nonsense like it's it was like watching an artistic rendition of like gab's insides it was, it was essentially like an editorial. How dare you? It was like it was like Tony Scott is in the editing room. Going, how can I make this feel like a little bowel, bowel syndrome? There's no shot more than ten seconds long. Scoring it's some just big like, points here. It is just like cut after cut after cut, insert in, after insert. There's subtitles that stay on the screen even when people are speaking English. It is just like oh, it's just such a mess. Like I couldn't, I can't even describe how badly directed and shot it is it's it, it made me want to feel it made me sick okay. at the time not literally sick but you know I, well it sounds it to be honest man <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a good constitution <laughs> uh, uh, rubbing it in again <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um like that that last hour of five minutes is basically like a standalone ultra violent revenge flick and um it, it was just sort of a direct let's see how many cover ways we can Kill bad people. It was, um, and then just a weird twist at the end. It was just totally unneeded. It was just, it was just a mess, an absolute mess. Okay. Uh, right. I want to go to the character witness. Gav, do you want to say a quick thing? I'd like to say, as uh, said there, it was unbelievable that the dad hired Creasy when he had a drinking problem. Well, the twist that, as mentioned before, was that the dad had actually arranged for the kidnapping to happen. So, of course, he's going to hire somebody who's an alcoholic because he's thinking like, oh, well, he's not going to be at his you know, top game. So it's more likely that we'll be able to abduct my, my, uh, my daughter with this guy looking after him because okay, so you know, he'll probably be bladdered. Okay, cool. Dave, uh, Gav is saying that it's original. It's not just taken with, uh, you know, with, it's basically it's more be- better written. It's predated those things. Maybe it sort of inspired those films. And it's got a good, sincere dialogue. You're invested in the character's... Do you, do you think it's got an original spin on that sort of, like, film? Yeah, it's as, as, as original as a remake that was based on a book can be. Sure, oh. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you watching it just thinking, I've seen this before, I know what's going to happen here, or are, do you, is, it, is it different enough to keep you interested? Uh, I'd say it's different enough to keep me interested. One thing that Gav was mentioning um, in his point, he said uh, Dakota Fanning's character is kidnapped and, you know, Denzel spends the rest of the film trying to get her back. Actually, no. He spends the rest of the film avenging her because after the uh, the the ransom handover is botched, they think she's been killed. 
Right. The kidnappers could say, oh, yeah, we've killed her. The, he thinks she's gone. So it's not a case of getting her back. It's a case of avenging her, you know, don't care if I live or die sort of thing. Sure. He's out for blood. So it's, that was different. And that was a bit of a show. You know, you don't see many Hollywood films where it's like they, they kill the kid. They kill the kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it turns out in the end, you know, spoiler alert, that you, the kidnappers thought better of it. And kept her alive just in but case a bargaining not, chip. But that's not what you think for most of the film. But for most yeah, of the film, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. thinking that. And it is pretty convincing, to be honest with you. And that was different. I'll give him that. You know, you, you might argue that maybe they copped out at the end by bringing her back. But, you know, it, it was nice to see because, like Gav said, you are invested in these okay. characters. Yeah, yeah. The, when she comes back, it's not like, oh, cop out. You know, it's, it's like, oh, thank God for that. Oh, good. She's, yeah, she's yeah. all right. <laughs> thank God. What, what did you think of their relationship? Denzel and is it Dakota Fanning? Dakota yeah, Fanning Dakota it Fanning. is, yeah. Um, it's really sweet, actually. It's really well played by both of them. I think um, Dakota Fanning, she gives a performance beyond her years in this one. You know, she was very young when she made this film and she she's not particularly irritating, which you'd think, like Austin said, you know, eight going on 48, that, imagine, could grate on you quite yeah, a bit. It, it would, yeah. It didn't for me in this. Okay. You know, she was, she remained kind of, like, adorable and sweet, and it was like, okay, okay, that's a, that's a decent performance. And she did give a good performance in this. And Denzel is is practically charm personified. I don't want <laughs> to gush too much about Denzel, but... <laughs> Is he, he 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 follows the line pretty well as you see his darker side, the alcoholic side that he's trying to bury, and it's perfectly believable that he decides to put that behind him and that this girl is helping him do that. He's got something positive to focus on, be it helping her with swimming or even just driving her around to school or what have you. It's got a surrogate father figure, something a desire within him has been fulfilled, and that's why when that gets taken away from him, that he goes off the rails. It's all fairly plausible, to be honest with you. It's believable and it's quite easy to invest in. Okay, last question, Dave. It's mm-hmm. plausible, you know, you, you understand it, but Ozzy's talking about that total tonal change. So there's an hour of the film that's quite sweet, and then all of a sudden, it just, like Ozzy said, it sounds like, how many different ways can we kill people? Mm-hmm. Is that is that jarring, that, that very much so. shift? Very much so, and I think it was meant to be. Okay. You go from this very sweet, kind of like, oh, his life might be okay, he's got a purpose now, he's going to get over his alcoholism, and then this horrible event happens, and he goes crazy. And I think that's why, you know, it's, it's violent. I wouldn't say any more violent than any other action movie that we've seen as of late, but because it comes so out of the blue after an hour or so of quite a nice story, it really hits you, and, you know, the violence isn't lost on you. It's not just like it started from, from point A and mm. just carried on throughout the film. The fact that it comes in halfway through is like, wow. Did not see that guy who was going to get a grenade shoved up his ass. It's just, and you know him torturing the guy behind the wheel of the car. Uh, with the oh, first, yeah. the kidnapper he captures. It's it's horrific. It is very violent, but I think because of what came before, it works and it really it makes an impact. It's you not just like, like get him, Dennis. It's not like oh, there's a guy getting his fingers cut off. Yawn. Yeah. It's like wow, geez, this is based on what I've just seen. This has really is put me out intense? of sorts. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Ozzy, you ready for your second point? Uh, barely, yeah. But um, so, sort of story and script. I think they're all, all, all linked, and we've sort of touched on it already. You know, the the, the jarring, but but essentially, the script is um, this uh, Brian Hel- Helgeland. I don't know, can I, I had yes, a read about yeah, him, and he's is. done he's done some really good films. Like uh, so, he did L.A. Confidential. So you oh, know, wow. you can see that yes, this guy can do some work. And then, like work I was saying before about that, um, the Christopher Walken line that like gav made it sound as though it, it's a great line it really is and it's just it's very questionable just out with the blue he says um oh, i've just lost where i wrote it down there but this um yeah he, he deals in death and he's painting his masterpiece it's like he's the only guy in the entire film who realizes what sort of film he's in 
<laughs> you only want having any fun. Everyone else is taking it pretty seriously and think they're in a good film. But Christopher Walken, he knows this is absolute tripe. And, and I can have fun doing this. That, so it, that's probably, yeah, the best line in there. But it's, it's, a lot, it's just so much crap in terms of the script. He's, um, it, it's just, it's off-putting, you know. It's, uh, it's, the whole film itself is, uh, is overly long. It's, uh, you know, incredibly uh, sadistic. But it just, um, you know, underused Denzel Washington in this in terms of the lines that he's delivering. Because he's a guy with so much charisma. You know, he could just say hello to you and you'd think... Well done. Wow. You delivered that well. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> but but in this, you know, it's just it's 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 unreal. It's, this is a revenge flick, and the only person I think really deserves revenge is us who had to sit through it and watch it. <laughs> it's just like I, I, it's two hours and twenty seven minutes that I'm just not going to get back. It's just, um, I mean, it probably took me a bit longer. Actually, I was going to say, wasn't it about like yeah. three and a half hours? Because yeah. you started watching. It. <laughs> yeah, I did watch it. I watched it. Where were but, you um, when Tony Scott died, Austin? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, I mean, I, I, w- I would probably watch that first part again. Don't get me wrong. That, that first hour actually was quite nice. And, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go with the character witness. You know, he, he didn't lie to you there. And the, the first the first 50 minutes, yeah, it's pretty nice. And it, it, I guess it ex- helps to explain some of the twists and turns that occur throughout the rest of the movie, you know, and, and some of the characters, are, 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 everything's in, you know, but... but the characters themselves have to write shit down to remember what's going on later on. That's, you know, that's an actual plot point is that people are sat there writing what's happened down so that you can remember it and call it back later on. That's how sort of... Um, Hard to follow. Yeah. It, like, it's, I mean, I guess it, that's the, the aim that they've tried to do is just oh, all of these little pieces and everything comes together at the end, but it doesn't come together at the end. Not, not in a believable fashion. It's just very uh, front together. Essentially, I feel as though... It's ambitious, incredibly ambitious. I think it was um, far too ambitious for the source material. You know, the, the, he's trying to make a, a huge, huge spectacle, a huge Hollywood spectacle out of what's essentially a pretty shitty screenplay. And um, and at times it feels as though the director realizes this and then he tries to fill it out with lots of style, this uh, 10 second shoot and stuff, you know, and, and maybe he could have gotten away with that if the film was half half as long. If it was just on two hours, maybe it would have been all right. But you know, it's it's about two and a half hours, and it just needed way more depth to justify that length. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Thank you, Gav. Going to come back on any of those points? Uh, well, I think I argued most of them in my first point. To be honest, I, I, I just think Ozzy is just completely lying here. By the way, it's complete full of shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll judge that Ozzy. <laughs> There's so many good lines you, in this. You would say that maybe you're full of shit. <laughs> I'm just thinking well, back I, to you. I was, was going to say, as we found out before from Ozzy, I'm not full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking back to your introduction. Like just like real court advocates, we give. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah, know if I, this is what I, happens I in think, real I think this court. Happens in court. <laughs> He's enough, talking shit. Enough. Listen here. Great line, another great line that he delivers forgiveness is between them and God. It is my job to arrange the meeting. That's a fucking oh, boss fuck line. That is, a, is so that is a good and, look at Dave uh, laughing away. I, I, do, I do like that line. Just at that same point, he turns up in this old people's house. He just walks through. So, this guy, you know, very, very tall black guy going around shooting mob bosses in the middle of Mexico. Every all these other people are, are trained killers, you know. Everyone that's their entire job. They are professional killers. Everyone he walks around just in the middle of the street, calm as you like, blowing shit up, like cars blowing up left, right, and center. He walks around with this huge bag with a rocket launcher in, 
goes up to a window with this old couple. They don't do anything. They just leave him. As he sets up and waits for the for the, the gangsters to drive through so he can blow them up. Nobody stops him. Nobody even attempts it when the entire place is run by these Mexican If laws. I'm honest, and I, I'd, I would, I'd hope I wouldn't, but I probably would. If I was on the bus and I was waiting and someone just walked up the street and sort of set up a rocket launch, I'd honestly <laughs> just turn around and face it away. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have to deal with that situation. Do you know what I mean? I do understand where they're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> There are so many more good lines. Uh, when Creasy says, "Okay, my friend, it's off to the next life for you, and I guarantee you won't be lonely." You know, after he's killed off loads of his mates, uh, even when he's doing the swimming training, he says, um, "There's a great line anyway." He says, "There's no such thing as tough. There are trained and untrained. Now, which are you?" I think that's like a really good motivational line, to be honest. And I think it's been used many, many more times out of context of this film. Um, but uh, the thing that makes the film for me, and honestly, you might say that the script isn't good, which is a lie. You might say the direction isn't good which I can see where you might be coming from there because if, you know, like you were expecting one type of film and then you see Tony Scott's sort of like really fast-paced, adrenaline-fueled direction, it might be a bit jarring for you. But the thing that holds this together and the things that makes this stand out from so many poor imitations of this and Taken is the performances. The performances in here are absolutely stellar. Now, um, Denzel Washington, I know I wasn't going to go on too much about him, but he's obviously my favorite actor and he's brilliant. He's usually a very selective actor. He's a huge box office draw and one of the, if not the most bankable actors of all time. So if he appears in a film, it's going to make money. And and that's a fact. And when you look at Denzel's track record, it is littered with success whether that be critical acclaim or financial accomplishments. So when Dan signs onto a film, it's almost a guarantee that it's going to be good, with the exception of Heart Condition. <laughs> um, yeah. By the way, check out uh, Dare Daniel podcast, who have done a review of <laughs> Heart Condition. In, don't be throwing in adverts for other podcasts doing what's meant to be your second argument. <laughs> right. And even when Denzel is... is like even if the film isn't good, Denzel is such a charismatic and engaging performer that he could make Suicide Squad, Tree of Life, and countless other pieces of shit watchable, <laughs> apart from Heart Condition. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have said that with you being the church. <laughs> no, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> no, fortunately, there. No, are... it's all right, Kev. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you have round an argument? <laughs> no, fortunately, there are enough positives within this film that Denzel doesn't have to carry it. He is free to deliver his typical powerhouse performance, and that he does. The formation of Creasy and Lupita relationship is so heartwarming and it's during this final period in which Washington's acting is at its finest as a role in and as his role in Lupita's life gradually expands from guardian to friend to fatherly figure when Lupita is kidnapped his performance steps up a notch as he becomes an unstoppable force in his attempts to recover her the final scene in which he sacrifices himself to save her is just an incredibly moving piece of cinema Having an actor of Washington's quality in this film makes the film even better. You'd expect to rally behind and support the antagonist in this film if it was played by somebody like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Dwayne Johnson. But Denzel's acting is so good and he is so believable in every aspect of his delivery that as an audience, we are far more invested in his character and their eventual outcome. Dakota Fanning is obviously the other big player in this. She is a complete revelation. It is undeniably up there with some of the best child acting of all time. Her performance is incredibly mature and detailed for such a young actor, as Dave said before. It's it's difficult to convey a realistic growth of a relationship between two characters in a really short amount of time on screen, and incredibly more difficult when one of them is a child. But Fanning does it with natural ease that many adult actors would greatly struggle to achieve. 
And then the scenes in which she's in danger, scared or upset are just so incredibly realistic and evoke such a strong response from the audience. Now, Scott took a risk in the pacing of this film, as I mentioned before, leaving a good chunk of time to pass before the action takes place. Now, by doing this, he allowed this really believable and moving relationship to naturally unfold before us. But the rest of the cast is rounded off with a number of great character actors. Rada Mitchell delivers a fantastic turn as Lupita's mother, Lisa. Her character goes through a tour de force of emotions throughout this film, and Mitchell is very convincing at depicting all of them. Christopher Walken is on fine form as Creasy's friend and mentor, Rayburn. Scott only uses Walken fleetingly in this movie, which is a great decision because the limited scenes he's in become way more impactful. And you know that it's a great performance by Walken because you're clambering for more. Mark Antony as well. I hadn't seen that much, uh, that many films with Mark Antony in before, to be honest, but he delivers a really great turn as Samuel Ramos, Lupita's father. He goes from grief-stricken father to desperate shitbag with ultimate ease. And the cast is rounded out with typical commanding performances from Giancarlo Giannini and a return to form or the first step on the road to a resurgence from Mickey Rourke, who was actually surprisingly well cast as the role as Calphus the Ramos family attorney. Um, now we're used to seeing him in these big bulking action roles, but this was sort of like a really subdued performance as their attorney, and he was actually really good in it. So in summary, the entire cast is tremendous, but it is the performances of Fanning and Washington who will keep you entertained from the fire starter to the end. <laughs> another, <laughs> another flourish. <laughs> Mate, my closing statement flourish will blow the tits you, off you. You, you, you big this up a lot, Gav. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, are you sure you can deliver? Because I'm pretty excited. <laughs> oh. Right. Um, One also... thing Gav didn't mention there is Fanning far out acts Denzel Washington oh come on oh mate and she's not even in it for two hours <laughs> like she's just off screen disappeared for two hours and she's still better than him wow okay so Dakota Fanning's too good almost well you've seen Dakota Fanning in other things yeah yeah, yeah. she's just Dakota Fanning but right. younger okay. so less good <laughs> Denzel's worse than that so just bear that in mind I will uh Right, Dave. Is yeah, that is fine. that true? <laughs> do, you, do you really need me to, uh, to respond to that? I just want you to jump in quickly. Is that is any of that true? <laughs> uh, I agree that Dakota Fanning gives a great performance uh, beyond her years. I'd say Denzel does too. Well, maybe not beyond his years, but he gives a great performance. <laughs> yeah. now, Denzel is on fine form here. It's not. It's possibly not the most challenging role he's ever faced. But then think about Denzel. Okay. He's taken on some pretty challenging roles in the past did you wish he'd been like get uh ozzy was kind of saying he was underused like i mean obviously he's doing the action he's denzel know, was underused yeah but i mean i, I think underused is in his acting like performance his acting, yeah. yeah so i mean i know he's like smashing people's heads in but was he underused in his actual acting ability no like i say the script itself wasn't that demanding for him it's not like a highly charged emotional role. it's an emotional role obviously you feel the connection he has this little girl who gets kidnapped but it's not it, it's not philadelphia Okay. You know, it's it's not going to go down as like Denzel's defining moment. It's, it's not LA solid. Confidential. It's not LA Confidential. No. But just because the script writer you were saying. Oh right, right, yeah. I was like, yeah. Denzel wasn't in LA Confidential. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a hell of a better film if he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a solid performance from him, but it it's not like it won't be remembered in his top five, should we say? It might be up there. It might, it might make top ten or top twenty, but um, it's it's a solid performance from him. Um, I agree with most of what Gav is saying. About the supporting cast, not all. Go on. Um, Mark Anthony, I thought was m- miscast. 
to be honest with you. I thought that uh, an actor with a little more presence, a little more experience. Mark Anthony, at the end of the day, is a singer, He's very, very talented singer. But as an actor, I don't know, this wasn't, I, I need to see him in a few more films. I felt something was lacking here. He's the dad. He's the dad, right. yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he's not terrible, he's just a bit of a miscast. Christopher Walken, Gav's right, he was fantastic, as always. Mickey Rourke was spot-on casting, to be honest with you. It surprises you. It's, it, it's a strange one with Mickey Rourke, because obviously since he's been a boxer, he's obviously had quite a lot of plastic surgery, and there's, there's like certain roles that he doesn't quite fit into. This is one where it fits into perfectly. It's like you can imagine this kind of sleazy, arrogant lawyer having a lot of plastic surgery and that sort of thing. And the look works. Mickey Rourke's distinctive look works for this character, works for this film. And his performance is good as well. You know, he's not in it too much, but it's it's a solid performance from Christopher Walken. Um, Gav neglected to mention Rachel Tocotin, who's the reporter for this, who gives, um, she becomes an, a very important ally for uh, John Creasy in his battle against the Mexican cartel. And um, yeah, she was very good. Giancarlo Giannini, I like him, but... Oh, I can't believe I'm saying this in the same episode where we've paid tribute to Dick Miller. <laughs> Giancarlo Giannini was just playing Giancarlo Giannini. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on dangerous ground well, here with I this feel one. Like you, I, I feel like you're going to regret that. But no, it's, 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 he's in good health. He's, he's in fine fettle. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, uh, that could have been Rene Mathis from Casino Royale. That could have been Inspector Patsy from Hannibal. You know, it's the same character. Giancarlo Giannini in the 1970s, when he was like one of the, the biggest stars of Italian cinema, it's when he started getting Oscar nominations and things like that. He was recognized then. Back then, yeah, he was, you know, a major star. Maybe in Italian cinema, he still is. He had range, he had versatility. It's most of his English language films, though. I'm yet to see it, and this film has not not dissuaded me from that thought. Okay. So I'm I'm less sure about that one. Rada Mitchell was okay. The accent slipped quite a bit, but she had a very, she did have very emotionally charged yeah. scenes. So I can understand why the accent, at least her performance, was was on, even if her accent fell. Last thing, Dave. Yes, mate. Uh, Dakota Fanning and Denzel Washington scenes together are they believable is it do you know what I mean that that actual sort of sometimes I think it's hard in cinema when they do the an older person and the younger kid act it just it just can really go badly sometimes did it work for you yeah I would say it worked I okay. think yeah they, they played off each like, other seems like a central part of the film but it was yeah, the, yeah it's a believable relationship you can when she gets kidnapped and then later when he believes her to be dead you can totally believe why he goes off the rails you, you feel that yeah he genuinely cared and this was arguably the most important person in his life at that point. Right, okay. I think it's time to wrap this up. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ozzy, I am going to let you go first. All right. Are you ready, Ozzy? Time starts now. Okay, this film is garbage. Yes, it's entertaining garbage. Uh, in fact, to be precise, it's entertaining garbage with Denzel Washington in it. So uh, you've probably seen worse films, but probably not many. And in my opinion, everyone involved uh, deserves credit for just keeping a straight face, to be perfectly honest. Um, there's an attempt at deep feeling, the 15-minute segment was drawn out for an hour, and uh, all of the uh, aspirations of an art film are just tedious and counterproductive. Um, the second half of the movie, though, is just absolute carnage. Shooting, stabbings, fingers being sliced off, uh, hands being shot off, and then plastic bombs shoved up people's bombs and just detonated. All the while, Denzel's just fingering this St. Jude medal um, that Peter gives him as a little gap, which is pretty apt because um, the patron site of Lost Causes is exactly what this film needed. Um, <laughs> and yeah, maybe this film's a little bit more than a kidnapping because for me, it felt like a literal kidnapping. Uh, for two hours and 27 minutes, I, I was the hostage. <laughs> <laughs> 
A good, a good, good end. Thank Oof. you. I know. Well done. Well done. I felt like uh, I wrote Gav, for 60 seconds. Gav, <laughs> Gav, I just want to be clear here. If your final flourish doesn't explode my trousers, <laughs> you've lost. Well, to be honest, I mean, Ozzy pretty much covered my... A lot, a Stop. Lot of, <laughs> no, right. So um, I, I think I covered a lot of what I wanted to say in my argument. So I'm going to do a sort of cliff notes in song form. You, you, oh, you're 10 God. seconds in. Okay, you ready? John Creasy, Denzel plays as bad as his training day. Tony Scott is directing filmed in Mexico. Rather Mitchell, Mickey Rock, Denzel gives a tour de force. Welfare's talking and Chris Walken fanning steals the show. Counting down, ass bomb is delivered with a bob piano. Great direction, this'll give you an erection. Twist and turns and great scenes, action like you've never seen. Symbolism, altruism, score is just perfection. Dens didn't start the fire, but there's bad guys yearning for a beat download. No, Dens didn't start the fire, but he did ignite it when they tried to fight it. Oh. Did you even go to work this week? Oh my god. Trousers exploded. Amazing. Oh, mate. That was, you didn't build that up enough. Thank you. Uh, very good. Right. I, honestly, like I'd, I'd written one on the train back from work today, and then I was sat there and I was like, because I was trying to think of a flourish, and I was like, I'll put um, "We Didn't Start the Fire" by uh, Billy Joel, and then I was like, Oh, I could <laughs> write it too. This song. I think it just finished it just before Dave arrived. Okay. Wow. Well, I need a little lie down. So, so, so yeah, Dave, have you got a quiz for us? Well, what, uh, what, what, I, what I do. Just relax. I do. Thoughtfully Fuck provided. Me, <laughs> wow how am i meant to fucking compete with <laughs> i'm glad you went first Ozzy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. i would have just walked out if I was yeah i do have a quiz sorry um <laughs> thoughtfully provided by joel before he went on sick leave did he do a better job than alex did last time yeah. Con- considerably <laughs> wait oh where is that when i phoned it in yeah, yeah. yeah. i didn't phone it in i uh, i yeah. sent him a link yeah. <laughs> we we know we, we we spotted it if you listen to the episode you'll see i'm not listening to that yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so this is really well actually in that episode. <laughs> yeah just give it a listen man give it a listen to bottle rocket <laughs> so yeah this is a quiz that joel has called slag me off when i'm not there and i'll cut you <laughs> that might not be the quiz title I'm not sure <laughs> okay so first question uh, Man on Fire was remade in Bollywood how much did that film gross in the UK ooh not a lot maybe uh, I'm, I'm going to say about £2,000 anyone else sorry, it's got to be more than that hasn't it I'd say £500,000 I'm going to say £2,001 oh you bastard <laughs> I think Aussie is closer there. It grossed £35,058, oh. which isn't, isn't great. Like but... How much did they spend on it? Uh, Joel didn't tell me. No. <laughs> this, is a, this is a Joel quiz. quiz. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a deleted scene from Man on Fire showed Samuel cutting off his lawyer's head with the sword. True or false? Mm, true. False. True. True. say true. It's true. Oof. When Mickey Rourke's decapitated body is found in the pool, there was a scene showing the actual decapitation, apparently. Wow. Tony Scott worked with Denzel again two years later in 2006. What film was it? Uh, was Ooh. it The Taking of Pelham 123? It was not. Oh, Sugar Butties. Uh, that shit Ridley Scott one, the American gangster. Well, it, it's Tony Scott for a start. <laughs> yeah, Changed no, I know, but maybe he was, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe he was on it somehow, produced. No, it's not that one. Anyone? Anyone no, got any no. ideas? Yeah, I know he also did Unstoppable, but that was about in 2010. What, so what year is it? 2006. 
2006. Well, he's your favourite actor, Gav. You just said this before. Oh, my God. I can't even think. I can't and if he think. was lying about that, what else was he lying about? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think. Sorry. It was deja vu. Oh, no. Oh, bastard. Which de- with Denzel again, Scott directed and produced which 2010 film? Unstoppable. It was unstoppable, there's no doubt about that. Man on Fire was released in 2004. What was the highest grossing film that year? Oh, 2004. 2004. No idea. Um, one of the Lords of the Rings, maybe? No. One of the Harry Potters? No. Um, Star Wars? No. <laughs> um, one of the Batmans? No. I don't know. Give up. Shrek 2. Oh, oh man. I think we, like, we could have been here for a We would have been here a really long time. We would have been here a while. This one I feel also could be directed towards Gab. Adjusting for inflation, what is Denzel's highest grossing film? Ooh, good one. Um, mm, oh, I don't know. Maybe I would say Training Day. But he has been That's like his best one, but is that his highest? Yeah, grossing? yeah. I think like highest grossing ones, maybe one of the Ridley um, Tony Scott ones. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say two guns. Was okay. Denzel a good, good guess? He was. Is that it? It's not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're half right. Uh, Alex, get to take a stab at this one. I'm half Training. right. <laughs> I'm half right. Well, no, no. Denzel was in. <laughs> you half said Denzel was in it. You got that bit right. Oh, actually, <laughs> actually, can I change it? The Equalizer. No, Alex, you want to take a stab at this? Uh, Inside Man. It was the Pelican Brief. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, there you go. Would not have guessed that. Nope. No. Uh, Alex, I know I'm looking to you. This one. Dakota Fanning stars in the Twilight trilogy and is part of, if part of a, is part of a covenant of vampires. What are they called? Why are you looking at Oh, I've read the books. Because yeah, uh, you've read the books. <laughs> exactly. uh, I cannot remember. It's pretty bad books. I'm guessing no one else in the room is no. going to have a clue. No, I don't no. know. The Volturi? That rings Shit, a bell? I didn't know that, yeah. <laughs> Alex, no. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm, I'm very pleased with myself. <laughs> <laughs> Which member of the Man on Fire cast was George Lucas's second pick for Han Solo? Christopher Walken, probably. It was it's Christopher Walken. Yes, Christopher Walken it was. And Walken, that would have been a very different film, wouldn't know, it? Yeah. It, yeah. Would. it would. It would a more intense sort of answer. Don't get khaki. <laughs> <laughs> and Walken shares a hobby with me, by me meaning Joel. What is it? Cycling. Computer oh. games. Yeah, playing computer games in his pyjamas. <laughs> Not what you're gesturing, Alex. Not that at all. Yeah, it's got to be cycling, hasn't it? It's a love of zombie films. Is that a hobby? Apparently. Yeah, Joel is. It's his quiz. Quite a passive hobby. (laughs) Surprised that Christopher Walken's never been in a a zombie film, considering he's in every other film. (laughs) Maybe he is. Maybe he's playing the zombie and he's just under loads of makeup. (laughs) Why don't you eat your brains? (laughs) That's good. Okay, uh, it's been a really long time since I watched Man on Fire, and if I remember correctly, like I didn't, I had, I had kind of like ambivalent feelings towards, towards it, to be honest. So I think I was perfect for the for this. Um, <laughs> Don't I like picking yourself up. <laughs> you I think I think I'll do a good job now. <laughs> so so uh, a lot of what you both said um, sort of chimed in with me. I'll just say. I'm not being turned on by Denzel when he's attacking people. Not like personally. <laughs> I didn't. I don't feel like. No, I'll, that's I'll, your I'll problem. Dis- to be honest, I'll, I'll disagree with you there. Um, it does seem like this film's got a tonal change, and that's kind of a lot of what I was thinking about. Was does it go a bit too high action? Is it a bit too sadistic afterwards? But I think Gav did enough. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> put me off. Gav did enough to make me think that actually that kind of was 
on purpose a little bit. Like there was, I think the big thing that swung it for me here, Ozzy, I'm afraid, is that um, the action does seem quite well paced. And for an action movies, especially when you're thinking about these sort of revenge films, often they just like pepper the action through and it gets a little bit boring. I actually quite like the sound of the fact that the first hour is a lot about building up these characters who actually kind of give a shit. And then it does sound like there's enough original in this film. So to be honest, it has made me re- really want to rewatch this film soon. And also, let's be honest, it was a hell of a final argument. So <laughs> I'll be honest, it did, it did play a part. It's going on the hit list. Disappointed, Ozzy? I don't know. I don't know. It was a tough watch. It was, uh, you know, it was. I, 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 when I said it was entertaining, it was entertaining. But it, it did feel like it was shit. But entertaining. That's shit. your honest opinion? Do you think yeah, I, 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 I don't think I really liked it. But I, no, I think I did like it, but I didn't think it was a good film. I, if I'm honest, if I remember it, I didn't remember liking it that much, but yeah. Well, it doesn't matter now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, can I change my <laughs> Gav, I, I do like, yeah, you love it, right? Oh, you know, I mean, anything that Denzel, I could eat Denzel, I, I could watch Denzel watch Denzel. Denzel. <laughs> I, I, I could do that as well, to be yeah. fair, but I could watch him eating a sandwich and it would be one of my favourite films of all time. You know, it, it's, the guy is just so captivating, but I, I think everything I said is true. Like the tonal shift makes it such a better film for me because because uh, you, you think you're going to watch uh, like this action revenge film and it starts off for about 40 minutes of this like really heartwarming relationship being formed so that when Dakota Fanning is actually kidnapped, you feel more invested as, a, as an audience member and then watching Denzel just absolutely beat the shit out of people is just brilliant. Did it feel a bit stereotypey at times? I mean, I know it's a bit... But... Uh, well, I mean, I know they were setting the scene and stuff, but it felt a little bit... A little bit, so I didn't bring it up in the argument because I didn't write it down as my... my um bullet points here but um what, what stereotype i'm um, just about the whole that that this area of mexico is run by mm. like uh, corrupt cops and stuff like that i don't know it just felt a little bit propagandary okay. at times but then i don't know whether that was just uh because i'm watching it now yeah it and felt we've got a lot of mexican propaganda it felt a little bit dated in that respect but not, not by that much only by yeah. a few years but the the kidnapper uh in this he is fictitious but his name daniel i, I wrote it down as well but he's based on a real Mexican kidnapper, one of the most notorious criminals oh. in Mexico City at the time, um, and his brother Aurelio. They've got the same names. He's, they're, they're very tightly oh, based. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. very, very much based on real on events. Real so, although it may, yeah, these these events happened maybe a decade before. It doesn't date it that much, okay. and there is a hint of realism to it. Yeah, no, I mean, I felt real. Yeah, yeah I, I at that. the end of the day, you know, it, it's it is true that there are a lot of kidnappings yeah. taking place in Mexico. Like in 2013 alone, I think there was like 1,700 kidnappings. You know, it's like it's it is like a because it does mention that in the film, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's some statistics but, which I was like, you, shit, that. Well, that's why like the portrayal of Mexicans in the film. Oh n- no, because you're looking at you're looking at bad characters. Okay, but yeah. uh, and everyone that you actually get to see in the film. Has a part in the film, okay. to be honest with you. But that's, no, there's no superfluous. What Gav was saying, that's why Tony Scott moved it. The book and the original film were set in Italy. It's yeah. supposed to be in Milan with the uh, mafia yeah. kidnappings. But he said, if you want it to be set in Italy for this film, it's going to have to be a period piece because yeah. the mafia haven't kidnapped anyone for nearly yeah. two decades now. So we're going to have to move to Mexico where it is still a major yeah. issue. Yeah, and, and Tony Scott is a was a massive fan of Mexico. I think he dedicated the film to Mexico and he said it was a beautiful city. So, um, and, you know, obviously it was... Um, a, an exaggerated, well, actually, I'm, I was going to say it's an ag- exaggerated story of, of something that would happen. Is, but it, it might, might, yeah. is yeah. anyone set on fire? 
uh, in the film. While somebody's exploded, does that count? Yeah, so, I have to say, like that that, a, that bit <laughs> didn't want me to didn't make me want to put it on the hit list. To be honest, anything where someone's getting a grenade a up his arse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, is it up his arse? It's up it his is. Up how his does it go up his arse? He, he shoots it up his arse. He actually arse. describes it perfectly. How he does it. So yeah. They use a the little. Oh, hang on, hang on. Don't spoil it. You know, Alex, this is something that you're going to have to oh, watch yourself. Watch it, yeah. You can yeah. watch the extended cut watch. in which you actually see Denzel yeah, doing it. That scene's left in, just like the head scene. Yeah, left in. Okay, so higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Vice. Um, um, so this is higher or lower on IMDb out of ten. What do you reckon? Higher. So higher. What was Vice? Vice was seven point one how, out of ten. How does IMDb uh, yeah. rate? Is it a mixture of people? Yeah, it's a mixture of critics and, oh, and viewers. I prefer Rotten Tomatoes if I'm honest to IMDb. I yeah. think it's a bit more accurate sometimes. Sorry, Gav. Uh, right. I'm going to say it's higher. Higher. I'm going to say higher as well. Yeah, you're all right. It's seven point seven out of ten. But on Metacritic, which is just critics' reviews, it's uh, it's lower. Vice scored sixty one, and Man on Fire was forty seven. Wow. Um. So so once again, I I put a poll up on Twitter over the weekend to ask our friends and followers which list Man of Fire should be placed on. And a whopping 78% of our listeners decided that it should be placed on the hit list. Wow. Uh, so, Dave, um, I we skipped over this last time, but do you have any trivia for the film this week? Yeah, uh, I, I was going to get some trivia for this, and then Kat actually gave me a better one. The one I was going to go with was that Christopher Walken's character was initially uh, supposed to be played by Marlon Brando. He was Tony Scott's first choice. But um, I think he passed away before the film was completed. Um, but Cat gave me a better one, actually, and it was basically all about Dakota Fanning and the lengths she went to to prepare for this role. Apparently, she learned to speak Spanish. She learned to play the piano. She learned how to competitively, competitively swim. And she also got fitted for um, false teeth because she'd lost her... her two baby teeth at the front and producer like uh, should, we, should we give her should we give, make sure she got teeth for this one and uh, so they actually fit her for false teeth but she couldn't speak with them in I like the idea that we're all giving Dakota Fanning the credit for this <laughs> when she was not incredibly eight, pushy parents <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well oh, okay then I mean it's good it's good I thought impressive kid yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah impressive no, but also I added Dakota Fanning trivia as well she couldn't burp they had to get in a stunt burper. That is true. The really? one thing she couldn't do, she did everything yeah. else. Apart from, burp. Apart from the burp. I'll take it back. Take the plaudits yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. So before we adjourn this case, it's time for a little caption contest. So uh, the character of... Um, oh, so basically what I do here is I uh, to take a snippet of the film and I put it on Twitter and ask our friends and followers to provide a caption with the funniest one, winning a chocolatey frog-shaped treat. So the scene is the character of Victor, as we mentioned before, with his shirt off, pressed against the back of Denzel's truck, whilst Denzel displays his watch as if to say, time's up, buddy. Off camera, obviously, is the grenade being shoved up the bottom. Um, So you've just got to decide which one is the funniest, starting with number one. It puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, come on, champ. I I know having sex with a car is exhaust Ing. But you've got a while yet before the world record. Um, <laughs> you see this? It's a shirt. S-H-I-R-T. Maybe get one. Uh, number four. Look, spill the beans or I'll make you watch Virtuosity again. <laughs> Man, Virtuosity is a good film. Uh, is it real? See, it says Rolex right there. 20 bucks and it's yours. Uh, next one is time to lose those love handles, man. Number seven, brilliant. Time is on my side. Yes, it is. That's a, a reference to Fallen, another Denzel Washington film. I was like, oh, come on, guys, you should get this. Uh, number eight, look, Mario, let's go over this again. What time is it when the big hand is at 12? Uh, number nine, 
this is what happens when you show up late to record the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one here is the new chuckle vision looks a bit intense. I'm going to go with the last the podcast or chuckle vision for me. I'm going to go with chuckle vision myself. Dave, cast and vote. Chuckle vision. Okay, so well done, Tin Food Podcast at Fruit Tinned. You've just won yourselves a Freddo. Just before we call it a day, I just wanted to give a shout out to one of our podcasting friends called We Watched a Film. I think we've mentioned them here before, actually, but they're a really great show. It's two mates, Billy and Topher, just discussing great films each week. Uh, the hosts have a really tremendous chemistry and, and they're very funny. Uh, they mostly cover new releases, but they do review some classics from time to time. Um, so you can even recommend films to them to review via their Patreon page, patreon.com slash We Watched a Thing. Anyway, it's a really fun and interesting show. I'd recommend checking out the review of 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is very good. Or um, they did a Fast and the Furious marathon, Alex, which you Ooh, actually might be interested I'd in. Be up for that. They watched all eight films back to back, which Ooh, sounds like I'm your wet dream, to be honest. Up for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, give them a follow on Twitter at We Watch the Film. So, um, our next film hasn't been picked out of the hat at random, but it was chosen by us all here at Films on Trial as we desperately try to stay culturally relevant. And the film is Alita Battle Angel, the Robert Rodriguez directed, James Cameron produced adaptation of the famous graphic novel. So I can already hear Joel and Alex's pants tightening right there. <laughs> um, so, like always, the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So, in the role of defense, it is Alex. Yeah. In the role of prosecution, it's Dave. In the roles of character witness are Joel and Ozzy. And in the role of judge, it's me. So I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your butler on your deathbed whilst you drop a snow globe and leave generations of people wondering what the <laughs> hell you were talking about. Just <laughs> spread the warm love of Films on Trial. And remember... <laughs> it's a, sorry, I just, it's, a nice, it's a nice highbrow reference considering this uh, contains shoved a grenade up his arm. <laughs> What's that reference? I did see the look of a curiosity <laughs> cross your face there. Citizen Kane. Oh, no. It's, it's, on, it's on my list of films that I need to watch anyway. You've got that book, haven't you? A thousand yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> just behind Law Abiding Citizen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, just follow us on Twitter, our film trials, where you can recommend films for us to put on trial. Follow our fantastic graphic artist, Winston Sank, at the underscore quirks. Check out our website, filmsontrial.co.uk, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and check out our new YouTube channel, Films on Trial, where we've got a number of reviews of current films out today. So, we will be in your ears next week with Alita Fat Angel. Goodbye.